What is going on, legendary human? Ryan Magic here, and welcome to the Ryan Magic Show. Everything that I do in my life comes back down to living from my heart and helping other people do the same so we can live our most fulfilling life. And alongside this podcast, I have a modality called the Core Method, and I also run a 12-month container called Heart Warriors. Now, I really mean it when I say that I love hearing from you all. So head over to Instagram, shoot me a quick message, and just say, hey, or if there's something that touches you from a podcast episode, I really, really love receiving them. Okay, legendary humans, in today's interview, I chat with Michael Johnson, who is a legend. He's a leading authority on human behavior, human empowerment, and increasing human performance. And he, he tends to work with teams, entrepreneurs, professional athletes who want to achieve more. He's better known by his alias, the Mojo Master. I really feel like that epitomizes what this guy's about. He was given the name after overcoming learning difficulties, depression, chronic fatigue, and also being told that he would, he would get nowhere in life. And he's turned that around and become a motivation powerhouse. I just titled the episode, Nail Your Mindset, Find Your Mojo, and Exploit Your Growth. And I really feel like that encapsulates what this chat was about. What you're going to learn specifically is why having an intention isn't enough to create change. Michael is someone that's amazing when it comes to the science behind transformation. And so we talk about the neuroscience between health and wealth. We also talk about how, why reducing stress will limit your growth how our values shape our confidence and insecurities, why having awareness of our triggers is key to growth, the way to let go of people-pleasing, being massively guilty of that, this was a really interesting chat, and the best way to balance resting and pushing yourself. So it was a really, really interesting, I would say it was a rustic chat because we got in there, we pulled our sleeves up, and we kind of bucked heads a little bit and, and really did our best to get some clarity on what really creates change. So enjoy the episode, and without further ado, let's get in with the one and only Michael Johnson. So welcome to the Ryan Magic Show today. I am here with Michael Johnson, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Michael Johnson, the Mojo Master. <laughs> We've got a legendary human today, and I was just saying to to Michael before we jumped on that last time I interviewed uh, him, he impressed me so much. And back then I was a little bit more guarded with my sense of self-worth. And I was, I just remembered, fuck, this guy just knows so much stuff. Like he's just got it together. <laughs> so I'm excited to have another interview with you, man. And it was cool that you just, I saw your something on Facebook where you're like, oh, I'm looking for some more interviews. I'm like, boom town. So thanks for coming on today, man. It's going to be my fun. My pleasure. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's awesome, man. It's good, really good to reconnect as well. Um, yeah, it's it's good. Like I've I've been in my own little shell for the last probably two years, just working hard and pushing the boundaries, and um, really haven't done like a lot of connecting. Or I mean, I do with my community, my audience, but outside of that, haven't really spent a lot of time um, doing these sort of things. Um, and that's why I thought, you know, I got to get back out there. I used to do almost a podcast a week and interviews and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Because um, I hadn't done one in like a month or so, and I, my calendar was pretty free this month. So I thought, why not? Let's just jump in and do it. Boom. Bring it on. Awesome, yeah. dude. So you, you mentioned that you've been going and doing some some deep dives into yourself over the last two years. What does that look like for you? Uh, um, I, it's not so much myself. It's just been, well, it, I mean, it is because as the business grows, I have to grow as well in order to be able to manage it, maintain it, and all those things. Um Mm. You know, as you're aware, business is always a direct reflection of you. So any blocks you have, you're going to have blocks in business. Um, so yeah, it's it's just been a, a real 
we've had a bit of a battle um, in just different areas as the business grows. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I love teaching. I love learning, as you can tell um, behind me. Um, so if I, I mean, just for the life, people that are listening, there's three thousand and fifty-two books in his bookshelf behind me. I don't know how many are there, but there's a lot. Um, I mean, there, there's it's a big investment that uh, that bookshelf. But yeah, yeah I um, it, it's just been. Like I know that I love learning and I love teaching, but also as the business grows as well, you've got to become so much more than just the thing doing the thing that you're you're sort of gifted at. And so, you know, I had to jump into multiple different areas. I also love marketing because it's human behavior, and I love sales because to me it's human behavior and it's um, showing someone and giving someone an opportunity to work with you. Um, and if you love what you do, sales is really just a conversation. I don't think that it's you know it's kind of like a coach a coaching call as well, right? And you know, you love coaching. Yeah. 100%. Um, you know, I think most people think of sales of like the Wolf of Wall Street sort of shit where you're trying to convince people that they don't want to buy stuff and you make them feel bad. And you do, sometimes you do have to use those tools as well because most people don't really know how to make decisions and can't be decisive and everyone's following the same path that most other people do. You know, I did a webinar last night on um, on wealth. and For your clients or to the public? Uh, general public. Yeah, cool. But, uh, you know, part of that is that most people's wealth patterns are part of a marketing strategy that you've been convinced over for years, like, you know, get a good education, go buy a house. But I, I don't know how many people I've met or come through my events, and you're probably the same, who have university degrees that don't use them. That's like a 30, yeah. 50, you know, we've had medical doctors come through and they go, I don't want to do this shit. And it's like, that's a couple hundred thousand dollars right there, you know, just torched because yeah. no one ever asked them what they wanted to do. They did what their mom and dad and everyone else wanted them to do. And they got this good career and went to university. You know, and and so now they're you know they're starting life a couple hundred you, thousand dollars behind. Do, do you get a lot of people that come to your events that are entrepreneurs or or people that are wanting to get into entrepreneurship, or is it just a broad audience? Oh, we get. I, I'm still surprised by the types of people we get. You know, we've had we've we get some. I mean, we get amazing people come to our events, but the people that I work with are really just people who want to grow. Like I'm, I push boundaries, and that's they're the people that I like. I like to be able to swear. Yeah. I like to be able to just say the shit that I need to say to get the job done. Um, I care about people enough to not care what they think of me. So if, you know, if I have to say something in order to help someone to grow and it's something that they need to hear, they're going to hear it whether they like me or not. Um, and that's what I say to my clients. I have two rules of business. I only do business with friends because if I don't know you, I don't like you or I don't trust you, I'm not doing business with you. It's that simple. Um, I don't want to, to sacrifice my mental health and my self-worth working with people that I don't like. Or that, yeah. are blocked, or that are guarded or that, you know, we get people come on and they go, oh, I know all this shit. And you go, then why is your life fucked? Like, let's not be <laughs> stupid here. Like, come on, it's not that hard to figure out. You're the common problem. Like, yeah. I'm on your side. but That's I a really interesting, that's really interesting when people make the investment to jump into a personal development course, because I've also experienced it with clients. I'm a pretty open canvas when I go to events and I'm really wanting to step into my vulnerability and learn. And I'm putting my money down. I want to get the most out of it. But it really interests me when you get when I've had clients who come through and they've put money down, but they they don't actually want to grow. It's almost maybe they want to feel like they're growing, or I don't even know what the fuck it's about. But I could, I do. It's interesting. Yeah. Until the action meets the intention, there's no change. There's dysfunction. And I, keep, yeah. I keep reminding people of this. Like it's all good to have the intention to grow. It's all good to have the intention of being great. But unless you're doing stuff and you're acting, you haven't done shit really. You're just convincing yourself that you're doing things. And most people have intentions. Like I find, you know, when I talk to most people, they say things like, 
you know, I want to be better off financially or I want to have my business going well. I want to connect with people more. I want to be able to, you know, look after my health. I want to be able to look after my family. I want to be inspiring to others. And then you say to them, well, does the action match that? And a lot of people go, well, yeah, sort of. Sort of means no. You don't sort of do things. Like I don't sort of wake up in the morning. I'm either awake or I'm not awake. Like it's it's mm. that black and white. And I think a lot of people convince themselves that they're that life's okay because, you know, I, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but I just I like shocking people a little bit because it wakes people up. Yeah. The truth is, most people live a pretty shitty existence, mm. and I don't mean that to be derogatory. But the truth is that most people are just doing enough because enough is what everybody else does, mm. and so they look at their life and they go, you know, my life's not that bad. But it is that bad. Like you essentially, if you're in Australia, you live in Australia. We're one of the most abundant countries in the world. The average global, um, you know, we've got, I think at the moment, we're number four, number five on the global life expectancy list. So the average life expectancy in Australia is around 84 years of age. So we've got amazing healthcare system. But if you look on the internet, our healthcare system, shit, it's falling downhill. We're all fucked. We're doomed. 84, it's one of the longest life expectancies in history as a population. Like yes, so so, but are the people that are coming to your stuff? Are they people that are in that category of like they're 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 quite pessimistic? Because I like I don't those people they're usually they're already kind of trying to make a change, but they're still holding on to some of those old limiting beliefs and their insecurities and and fear of not being good enough are kind of having them put those walls up because they're not feeling safe in who they are are or full in who they are. Hundred percent. That's exactly what it is. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we live in an abundant country. We've got, you can't have wealth without having having health and you can't have health without wealth. And I can go into the neuroscience of why that happens. But essentially- Dude, can you go into that? 100%. So Let's you fucking last do it. Night, last night I was talking about this. And actually, <laughs> let me finish that point. And I'll come back to it. Yeah, let's um, do it. Because I I, I'm, I'm scattered sometimes when I talk because I just sort of- Yeah, because you're so passionate. <laughs> yeah. And then it's I awesome. get messages afterwards of people going- you know those eight stories that you started? You never sort of finished them? Like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, opening whoops. Come to the seminar to learn the rest. <laughs> but I just, I, I go with the flow with stories. So, but um, for, those, for those who want me to finish that one. Um, yeah, yeah. So you've got, like, we live in an abundant country. We've got great healthcare, whether people admit it or not. We do because life expectancy shows that. And I'm a data-driven person. Like, you know, I study a lot of uh, philosophy. My background originally, I started off as a personal trainer, then realized that I was very heavy and dense as a person. You know, for me, I was, um, you know, drink lots of protein shakes, lift heavy shit. And that was sort of my background before that was a diesel mechanic. Um, and I was just a bit of a jughead. And I thought, you know, if you mm. can't see it, it's not real. Therefore, it's bullshit. And I just shut off to everything. Mm. Then after a while, my body started breaking down. I thought there's got to be more to this. And I started getting introduced to Chinese medicine and things like that. And I thought that's cool. And so I took a real deep dive down the spirituality, uh, the new age spirituality path, I guess you could say. And I did a lot of studies, you know, of uh, Dr. John D. Martinez, you know, is a close friend of mine and colleague. Um, his daughters, Elena and Brisha, are good friends of mine. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, I met Louise L. Hay when she was alive, um, Wayne Dyer, all of those. So I, I did all that sort of stuff. Um, it's a big and, opening versus the diesel mechanic junked up PT. Yeah. But what I also found, though, was even in that community, I met a lot of people who, like, I remember going to this Louise L. Hay event, and it was awesome because I saw, for the first time, I saw Dr. Joe Dispenza, and, um, you know, and, and I've spoken with him on stage, and uh, I actually got drunk with him on tequila in Mexico, um, so that was pretty cool. But 
But um, seeing him, he was he was different, and so was Deepak Chopra compared to the rest of them. What I found was that most people almost floated in on a cloud and floated back out. Like I talk to people, and they go, "Oh, this is great," and you go, "How's life going?" "Oh, yeah, it's great," and everything was great, and you're like, "There's there's something not right there. There's like there's fucking delusions that they're not admitting." Because the truth is that as we grow, anything that grows needs pressure and stress. You cannot have growth Absolutely. without stress. Absolutely. You know, look at nature. Trees grow. Like when you have a drought, that's where trees grow the deepest roots because they're looking for water and they're, they're pushing hard. But mm-hmm. when the water comes, they're the ones that are strong and survive. So mm-hmm. in nature, it's a law of nature. And I study these laws. I, I try to find them in different fields of science. So a law of nature is things grow under stress. And mm-hmm. as a universal consistent, things under pressure change. So we have to have pressure and we have to have stress in order to evoke change and growth. Mm-hmm. So when someone says to me, everything's going great, everything's always well, you know, I know that they're full of shit because I'm a growth driven person and life is like a consistent battle of like, how do I deal with the amount of pressure and stress that I'm creating? But at the same time, not make it too much that it, it, you know, smashes me to pieces, but not enough where I feel like I'm not growing and I'm internally beating myself up because I know that I'm not living up to my own expectations. That's Dean Martini, right? It's like you can either have the war out there in the world that's like inspired challenge. You're getting resistance because you're going after your dreams or you're going to have a war in your head where, or you're going to have low value resistance where you just kind of live in a life that's, there's lots of shit that's, yeah, that's just kind of bickering, itching or drama or you're complaining about the health system, right? Yeah. And so what I found was like that that community, there was a lot of people there who had really deluded themselves. And lucky enough, I was, I'd studied a lot of that stuff where I was implementing a lot of the tools, trying to figure out what was working, what wasn't working, doing a lot of research as well. Um, as far as science goes, talking to people, figuring out where the gaps were. You know, a lot of people say stuff because it sounds good in theory, but when you actually start to plug away, like a lot of people talk about energy, but with quantum physics, you like, what are you talking about? Are we talking about quarks, leptons? Because there's science knows what energy is now, okay? And so there's there's different rules that apply to that energy that aren't being spoken about. So I love going and diving deep into that stuff to find out what's the go with that. So anyway, I realized that that community as well had massive gaps. Like sitting in Bali saying that, you know, you're in a peaceful state because you meditate all day. Why wouldn't your life be peaceful when you're doing fuck all? Okay, well, it's I, easy I don't think it would be peaceful 100% because I've been there myself and there's always that inside war. This is Demartini 101. You, you can't yeah. have you can't have support without challenge. You can't have benefits without drawbacks. And and I did that. I did the whole meditation for a long period of time, a good couple of years. I did a couple of thousand hours of meditation. There was still wars going on in my mind. Hundred percent, there was. And I think it, it sort of gets worse before it gets better, especially with meditation, because there's a lot of stuff that comes up in that that time. It's helpful so, though. Don't get me wrong. It's just if it's imbalanced, like what you were saying, having the right element and degree of stress. Yeah. So, um, you, like, if I made um, and another example of that is like, if I made $100,000 and took that $100,000 and shot off to Bali and sat around and did nothing, I could probably do that for two or three years. And life would be pretty simple to be pretty good, right? Then you don't have a lot of stress. I can mm-hmm. provide food. But what you're doing is you're actually contracting and the stress is being removed. So there's no growth. You're actually contracting and dying without realizing that you're dying. And you're dying mentally, you're dying spiritually. You're actually going backwards without even realizing it. And the meditation philosophy was good 2000 years ago, but we live in a different era. Like right now, there's like, we're getting attention everywhere. You know, it's just, we're in this ADD world where, you know, phones going off, internet, Facebook, people talk, there's just so much stuff going on. How do you deal with that? Mm. And so anything in nature that doesn't evolve dies and, or, or it goes extinct. And that's part of a law of evolution. Now, some people don't believe in that, but that's essentially what happens. 
So in order to totally. evolve, we need to be able to adapt to the new times. And my question's always been, how do we adapt to the new times, taking old tools, new tools, combining them together in order to bridge philosophy and science together to make stuff work and to get us the results? Because I want to be peaceful, but I also want to like grind hard today and work and you know, maybe maybe grind's not the right word. It depends on how you take that. But I want to be able to push myself it's today. Stress. And, you mentioned and stress. Stress yeah. is inevitable. That is to a certain degree. Like again, the only reason there'd be resistance to grind is because of this this uh, notion in the spiritual community that that's bad. Hustle's bad. Mm. It's not bad. Nothing's bad. It's just about the the degree to which it's relevant for you in the moment, based on what your priorities are. I love that. I love the word relevancy because it's 100%. It's exactly spot mm. on. I've just never never heard it said that way, but spot on. Thanks, man. Um, but you take that $100,000, I go sit in Bali. Life's easy because I'm, I'm actually going backwards and you can only go backwards so far before the pain is there. And so a lot of people do that for mm. a while. Like retirement's a great example. You retire, you've got all this money, you live this comfortable life for a couple of years and then all of a sudden you look in your bank account and now you can't buy food because there's there's no money. And so now you're dependent on the government for money and other people's tax and people go, oh, I deserve that maybe, but at the same time as well, you're also a hindrance on the economy. So then the government start going, well, fuck, we don't really care too much because these are almost like the bottom feeders of our economy and yeah. we want to grow as an economy. Now they don't want to say that, but that's sort of what's happening. And so they Absolutely. get asked and, and the government's just going, well, we just are going to give them enough just to stop them riding and killing people. And that's enough. That's the best that their life's ever going to be. And it's better than in other countries as well, that just enough. Like it's still pretty generous. The worst case scenario is you're still comfortable. I agree. But when I talk to people, I, I've worked with people, you know, I had a, a billion dollar client list and I've worked with the rich listers and, and some of the top earners in this country and some of them are still depressed as shit. Mm-hmm. And it's because they, they there's this thing that because we're in Australia, there's a lot of self-comparisons. We've got the internet, social media, someone's got yeah. a better car, a better house. And so it brings up a lot of these insecurities um and yeah i don't even know how i'm going on this oh, but i was going to say on that note that's what happened to me in our last interview that was when i was at the height of my success and financial success at that point before i kind of deep dived in and learned to love myself unconditionally and when i interviewed you last time i was massively comparing myself to you i was feeling insecure i was like Fuck, this guy knows so much it was like full because my whole life then it was like i had the most financial wealth at that point not wealth but like the business was at the biggest stage and I was the most insecure at the same time and I was also the most like I was struggling the most internally but I had the things that I thought that I wanted which really fucking spun me out at that point well I can um just on that I'll get I'll I'll slam a little bit of a, a a tip that I figured out and I don't know that anyone else speaks about this stuff but It's something that blew my mind. And it happened because I was working with a client who's an investment banker and he's a really awesome dude, very, very intelligent. And he deals with some of the biggest companies in the world and he works by himself. So he brings in other experts in order to do these huge deals. But at the moment, like he's working on a multi-billion dollar deal um, and he just works essentially from his house. He spends half of his day sitting in a sauna or watching TV and he just puts together these crazy deals. But anyway, so he, he hired me to come and work with him. And I asked him, I said, how, when you sit around a boardroom full of these people and, and in those ga- in in those sort of situations, it's all mental, right? It's all mental games. It's like, who can sort of make someone else feel insecure and underhand something and get a little bit more of the pie and who's getting what and the lawyers are there and the accountants are there and everyone's just trying to get a little bit, a little piece more because a little piece is a lot. 
Mm. Um, and it's a game that they play. And they, if they're good, they love it. Like, he loves that game. I couldn't – it's not my thing, but it's he loves it. Mm. Anyway, and I asked him one day, I said, why do you do it? And he said, because normally when I sell a business, this is a person that started that business maybe in their teens, maybe in their 20s, maybe in their 30s. But they've given up everything their whole life in order to create this business to a point where it might be worth 100 mil, it might be worth a couple of billion. They've earned the right now to enjoy the rest of their lives and set their family up, you know, for the next couple of generations. And he said, I take that seriously. And I was like, wow, this isn't Wolf of Wall Street shit. This is like purposeful. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I said, how do you do How do you deal with this stuff when you're in a boardroom? And he goes, Michael, every time someone opens their mouth or moves, they're already telling me their insecurities and we're all insecure, my friend. Mm-hmm. And he said, so I'm just looking for what's their insecurity? Why is the over talker talking so much? Why is the undertalker not talking enough? Mm. Why is someone giving too much information? Why is someone not giving enough information? Mm. And in that moment, I was like, fuck, that's amazing. If you just, when you're you're with someone, if you look at their insecurities, it tells you a lot about them and we're all insecure in some way, shape or form. And it changed the way that I deal with people forever because Mm. when you understand that everybody's insecure in some way, shape or form, everyone's giving away signals consistently. And then what I realized is because I've done so much stuff on on values and I've done um, so much research on like purpose and mission and how all that correlates together. Um, And one of the events that we have is like piecing a whole life map together for a person, because without that map, most people just sort of fumble through life and, you know, they're trying to figure it out. They change jobs, they change careers, they do one thing, then they change the next. And they're sort of like trying to figure it out and they waste a lot of time and money. So, um, you know, I created a course, how not to do that um, and piece that shit together. But anyway, what's it called? Uh, thrive time. How not to fuck your life. <laughs> well, it is sort of because I people come to me and they go, you know, paying two and a half grand to come is a lot of money. And I'm like, dude, you've just done three university degrees that you'll never fucking use. Are you kidding me? You're mental. Yeah. Like you just, you buy, you buy a car every five years in order to look like you've got your shit together so that you can keep going back, working a job that you hate saying one day I'm going to do something else, but you never do anything else because you keep buying fucking cars in order to show your neighbors that you're doing okay. And you're not doing okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, so one, one big thing that's really important for me around, for my own kind of journey with this stuff is just understanding where it comes from. Because even getting a car is status-based. Status-based is a safety mechanism because now what we look for for status in society, the material material wealth is often the goalposts. But in tribal culture, like when we're on tribes 40, 20,000 years ago or whatever it was, 5,000 years ago, it could have been how many stories you knew, how helpful you were for the tribe, uh, how much heart you showed. Could have been a status metric or a goalpost. But now it's 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 cars. So for that person getting the car and not having some shit bomb is a fucking safety mechanism because other, their friends saw them with that. They feel so unsafe. The tribe's not going to like me. I'm going to be ousted, and some fucking beast in nature is going to eat me alive. Yeah. And so yeah, when you're talking about those insecurities, there like everyone's got insecurities. What is that like for me? That gives me a lot of compassion because I my insecurities around being a pleaser, like that's one of them, and the other one's achieving. So it's like because my dad was super harsh on me, and like you got to achieve to be worthy of love. My mom was just like I was enmeshed with her, so I was like gentle, sensitive dude, and I was scared that people weren't going to like me. And so like my insecurities, like am I being nice enough to be to get love? Am I being successful enough to get love? And I, that gives me empathy for myself. And then when I understand that in other people, I'm like, ah, oh, the reason that person's so fucking aggressive is because that's their safety mechanism. And it gives me so much compassion and allows me to view the world with more love. Does that resonate? 
hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, it's. I think that um, if I go back to the insecurities, what I found yeah. was that a person's insecurities is always related to their highest values. Mm. So, in our highest values are where we mm. feel most insecure. But our values are also the place that also give us the most amount of security. So there's a very fine line between secure and insecure within our values. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example. So my highest value is teaching and learning. But I I would say that the majority of time I navigate in between, am I communicating effectively? Is my communication good enough? Maybe I didn't get through this point. And so Mm -hmm. afterwards, like even in conversations like this, I'll go back and I'll reflect and I go, okay, what could have I done better? But what that allows me to do is that insecurity allows that area of my life to grow, which is where I get my fulfillment. Mm. So if I didn't have that insecurity and that gap, I wouldn't be able to grow in the area because I just go, I fucking know enough and I'm the best at what I do. But because there's part of me that goes, you know what? I know that I'm the best at what I do and I'm, I'm good at that. And I love doing that. I love learning and I love being able to teach at the same time. It's the thing that I'm always reflecting on going, is, was that good enough? Mm. Did, could have I done more? Is there, is there some other way? And then I look at someone else who's doing it and I go, shit. They communicate better on the stage. How do they do that? And so I want to learn that. But that's an insecurity. Mm. My physical body, my second highest value is physical performance and physical movement. I love training and I love exercise, but I'm always looking at my gaps. How's mm. my movement? How's my nutrition? Um, you know, all of that. So that that's an insecurity, but it's also the thing that makes me most fulfilled. And it's a very, very fine line. Yeah. And it's so easy to just push across. There are some days where I wake up and I go, I feel fat. I feel disgusting. And I'm like, all right, cool. I've got some mental work to do. So I've got to go and figure out like, what did I do? Where did I go wrong there? And so if you can sort of navigate in between the lines and you just sort of navigate your life like that, you do great. But when a lot of people in society over-exaggerate it, and so they'll go from one side where they're like, you know, I'm on top of the world. I'm the best at everything. I feel amazing. My body's fantastic. And you look at the bodybuilding community is a great example who I've worked with for many, many years. Yeah you know, I've got this amazing body. I'm standing on stage. Look how great I am. Everyone comes up, says how amazing. And then you go on binge eat. And then afterwards you go, fuck, I feel fat. I feel disgusting. No one loves me anymore because I don't have this body. I feel horrible. And then they beat themselves down. And then in order to feel good again, they've got to go through this harsh regime and dieting and everything to get down. And, you know, it's just this big swing back and forward. A lot of people do it with money where they get just enough ahead. And then all of a sudden they go, I know what I need to do. I need to buy shit in order to look like I've got it because I've earned the right. And then they spend it all. And then they go, oh, fuck, now I'm broke again. And it's this big swing in between their polarities. Instead of realizing that the game's there, it's just that you've got to sort of on a daily basis reflect and navigate and go, oh, I went a little bit too much that way today. It's back that way. And we're all navigating. I mean, I have people come to my events and they think that I walk across water and the sun shines out my ass. They're like, oh, you know, I'd love to have a mindset like yours. You're so motivated. You know, you you always must be motivated and inspired. I'm like, no, no, I'm just, a, I'm a normal person. I'm a dude, right? Mm-hmm. I wake up. I still do the same thing that everyone else does. I say the wrong things. I'm inappropriate sometimes. I There's shit that goes on in my head that isn't the best. But mm-hmm. what I do is I navigate it better than most people. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm aware, number one, self-aware enough to pick up on it um, in yeah. a short period of time. Now, that doesn't mean I pick up on it straight away. It might take a few days. It might take a week. I don't know. Yeah. I'm a human. I think I'm awareness is so important in that dynamic. Like I love this quote that you can't intervene in a world that you can't see. And when those bodybuilders are flying from one extreme to the next, they've got no idea what's going on. They're just responding to their body, just being flooded with like all these uh, endorphins or yeah, it's the, they've got no idea what's going on. But even once you have a little bit of awareness, 
I mean, it's so intoxicating when those feelings come in and the short-term, the desire for short-term, you know, feelings are empty, boom, and it's just channeled into some like self-deprecating activities and short-term gratification. I mean, you've got no, still like sometimes it just takes me a little while to, to, to quick that awareness. What have you done to, to like expand your awareness? Because meditation has been a huge one for me, like that's helped me have more of like strengthen that part of my mind, the observer that can jump in quickly when I'm kind of spiraling out. What have you done to to create more awareness? Um, there's there's lots, as you can see, I've studied a lot of a lot of stuff um, because I'm always looking for how do we do it better. I mean, that's my question. Um, the question that drives my thinking is is how can I be better, yeah. and then how can I help others to be better? Now so you're always curious. Yeah, I just I, I know that I'm not even close to where I know I could be. I remember. When I was young, um, there's there's a there's a few big moments in my life, but I remember um, when I was young, my parents used to go up to, to the Riverland in South Australia, and so I, I grew up like water skiing and all that stuff on weekends, um, and and riding motorbikes and doing crazy shit. And so my mum was 17 when she had me, and my dad was 19, and they were party animals. So almost every weekend, I was at parties with adults, and I just watched uh-huh. piss people. Like my whole childhood was watching drunk people. Um, yeah. And it was it was cool. Like I loved it because they were everyone like all mum and dad's friends were always looking after me because they were the first ones to have kids by like ten or fifteen years. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I used to just go and sit down by myself, and I love fishing. And because in the Riverland, there's obviously no lights or anything, um, and so I used to just sit down there and look at the look at the sky. And I used to ask really mental questions as a kid, like, you know why are we here? Why do we do what we do? And they were the questions that drove me even from a young age. Then I went through school and got put into this system that I hated. I was bad at school. I got expelled at 15 and, and tried to take my own life because I realized that I was always in trouble at school and I was always in trouble at home. And so I thought, what's the mm-hmm. fucking point? But in that moment, I realized that I wasn't here to please anyone else. The only thing that I could do was just do me. And that was probably one of the greatest experiences, but that came from probably the lowest point where I was ready to kill myself. And then at 21, my best, uh, 21 or 20, my best friend's three-year-old niece was killed in a car accident. And I remember just realizing that life can be taken away just like that. We're here one day, gone the next, and we might not have a choice. Mm. And it made me realize that every day I'm a day closer to dying. I'm a day closer to the end. That's the only thing that I'm certain of. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know how it's going to happen. Not at the moment. I just know that I'm closer. Mm. So what I, um, what I also started realizing, and this is what I teach at my events, which is an opener for most people when they think about time. Every day we use 24 hours and we, we put into that 24 hours, whatever we choose to put into it. And so at the end of the today, it starts again tomorrow. And we're going to fill that 24 hours. We're going to fill the whole 24 hours with whatever we choose to do. Now, some people fill it with 12 hours worth of sleep and that's cool. But some people fill it with six, but we are going to fill it and use it. And then we're going to do it again tomorrow. So we want to make sure that we're filling it with things that are important to us, because no matter what happens, we're going to use it. Whether we're watching, at the moment in Australia, we um, Australians spend three hours of uh, three hours watching TV a day and another three hours on social media. That's six hours a day on average through a seven day week. Um, now some might only watch an hour on weekdays, but they're catching up on the weekend on all the shit that they missed. So most people are wasting about six hours a day just on social media and television. Mm-hmm. Now. That's going to be a lot more in the younger generations too. I reckon that would actually be bigger. I reckon the older generations would watch more TV and the younger generations would fill those six hours with more social media. From what I remember, I believe that to be true. And I think young females actually had the most social media consumption. I think it was under the age of 21. It's really sad. 
Um, but yeah, um, if, if people are doing that, normally it's because they're lost and they're just trying to figure out what they would love to do and they're sort of caught in their head and they've got a lot of stress that they, they can't control. Um, but uh, coming back to, to um, I think, your question, which was about how do I handle this stuff? It was awareness. Like how do you spark more awareness? Yeah, so what I what I started doing, was, and I'll just go through a little bit of my journey um, in that self-awareness, was at first it was really just about being a little bit more aware of how I was reacting and responding every day. That's really what it came down to, and it was challenging because I just wasn't brought up to think like that. So I had to become a lot more aware of, like, how am I talking, how am I communicating, how are people reacting to me? Um, and that's sort of where I started from. Then I started reading things like, I remember reading uh, Paul Check's book, How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy. And that was a great little eye-opener for me. I love that book. Yeah, well, I'm a, I am originally went through and did almost all of Paul Check's trainings uh, back in the day, like 20 yeah. years ago. Um, so I'm yeah. a, I think I'm a level three check practitioner and uh, he's one of his holistic lifestyle and nutrition coaches. What, what, do you th- what do you think about what he talks about with the fact that 150 years ago, the average human slept between 11 and 13 hours a day. Because one of his big principles, as you know, is like doctor rest. You got to see doctor rest and have enough time to wind down. I'm genuinely curious to get your perspective in terms of filling your day with fullness and then having the balance to be able to have enough energy to thrive and be in a state where you're enjoying what it is that you're doing and like you feel good in your body. Like how do you balance that relationship? Um, it's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors to that. And I know that, um, in our society and in science, there's a lot of generalizations. So I'll try to break down those generalizations to give you the answer (laughs) to that. But first of all, what we've got to look at is 150 years ago, different amounts of pressure, different amounts of stress and different goals. So if 150 years ago, all I needed to do was make sure there was food and a roof over my head and that I could, you know, shag someone um and and have kids life's sweet like that's the that's the outcome and the goal some people back 150 years ago it was you know they had a little bit more they wanted to grow a business and they wanted to build that up to have a little bit more than that um and so there was always that there's always been entrepreneurship um you know right back Mm -hmm. from the egyptians and the pharaohs and someone was always pushing harder than everybody else and working harder and thinking differently and um you know it's always been there so um, there's actually behind me, there's a whole series called The Book of Wealth. And The Book of Wealth goes right back through the history of um, uh, of different civilizations. And the Is that Book of Wealth on the third tier up with the navy blue and then all the different colors on the bottom half of the book? Uh, no, those the ones up there are all the great books of the Western world. So that's all the great philosophers um, of the last 100 or so years. Actually, sorry, it's probably the last thousand years because there's Aristotle and Plato and stuff in there as well. The Dude, that's cool. Uh, over there in the corner, uh, that yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there are series, there are volume series. Um, they were originally you couldn't get them, so D Martini actually told me about it, and I struggled to find it, but they actually reprinted them about a year or two ago, and so I was able to get my hands on them. Um, but yeah, so, um, f- so first of all, it depends on people's goals, dreams, and aspirations. First, then the second thing is, um, you have to be honest with yourself are you living up to your own expectations? Because someone like me, I'm I'm sure as shit not. You know, I've I've known ever since I was young that I wanted to do something on a global level. Now, having 13 or 14 hours sleep a day isn't probably the most effective use of my time. Um, I would love to be able to put more time into that. And so I'm looking, how do I sleep less but still feel as good as what I would if I did? Mm. And that's the question then that started driving me. How do I do that? 
So what I needed to look at was, yes, 150 years ago, we had different farming practices. We also had different food types. Now, some say that the food back then was way better because the nutrients in the ground were different. And the soil was better. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. We also have to look at, though, over the last 100 years in farming, they're all, there's always, there. ever since farming's happened, and even prior to that, I guess nature naturally did it, where you've got some sort of, um, uh, I guess you could say um, epigenetics or genetic, you know, genetic mutations and stuff like that that farmers play around with in order to create better crops. Now, I'm not sure now whether food's better or food's worse because of that. Now, some would say, well, you know, if you're doing genetic engineering and things like that, it devalues food and so on. But there's definitely cases where I would 100% agree with that. There are other cases as well where if you get two tomatoes and you take the best of both tomatoes that are natural and they're organic and you put them together in order to create a better tomato, that's still that's still sort of, I guess, in a way, bioengineering. Mm. Um, and farmers have been doing that for hundreds, if if not even longer, um, years. So I'm not sure whether food's getting better in quality over time as well or food's getting worse. But, you know, there's there's that option. There's also things like now I've got, I knowing how hard I work, I have vitamins here. So I'm able to take um, different types of vitamins like fish oil and things like that, which supposedly help based on the research to be able to reduce inflammation in my body. Um, also, there's more opportunities. I don't, I'm, I'm not like, when I look at my dad, my dad is a builder, so he's a tradie. Now he's always using his hands and his bodies and he's smashing his hands with hammers and things like that. So now he's in his um, late 50s you know, his body's starting to break down. Whereas there is opportunities now where even if his body breaks down, he can move to an office and work in that office and he could work for another 50 or 60 years. He's just got to adapt and change. A mm. hundred years ago, or even 150 years ago, your body needed to have more sleep in order to be able to heal from that damage instead of just changing careers. So that's also a factor. Um, 50 years ago, we didn't have air conditioning. So on a hot day, I don't know about you, but if I don't have the air conditioning on here in Adelaide, uh, you're in Melbourne, right? Yeah. So you get some 40 day, uh, forty degree crankers as well in summer. You know, in 40 degrees, I could work for like two or three hours and I'm fucking exhausted. Now, I used to be a diesel mechanic that used to work on trucks. My efficiency would have been quite low because even though I'm working hard, your body's just grinding and it's, it's trying to keep up and it feels like you're pushing hard. But at the same time, you're just not as effective if you're in an air conditioning environment. So now the air conditioning environment makes us be more effective. So... Over the years, humans are always trying to figure out how are we more effective? How do we get more time? How do we achieve things? You know, and if we look at the life expectancy, I've had a lot of people who come and say, you know, Michael, and I bought into this for years. You know, the average population used to live longer, they had better health. Bullshit. Go and do go and do actual proper research. The life expectancy in the in the 1950s or the 1940s, I believe, was around about 56 years of age, I think. So I'm I'm 37. That really gives me like another 12 years and I'm fucking done. Whereas now it's 84. So yeah. you can go back and have a look. Life, And there were times like in the bubonic plague and things like that, some of the life expectancies were down at like 25 to 30 on average. It's crazy. So that's why people need to go do research instead of just parroting information. Because when you go and do the research, for me, I looked at that and I started and I was like, hang on, this has got to be wrong. And I started looking and I'm going, shit. Our healthcare system is actually improving life expectancies on a on a mass scale, not on a small scale. Like there are pockets where, yes, there's centennials and stuff like that. I agree with that. I've, my research suggests that. Yeah. But there's small pockets where they're in the right environment, doing the right things, and they're, 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 that's not 7 billion people. Yeah. Now when we look at it, the life expectancy around the world is slowly increasing. 
And in countries like Australia, the US is a bit behind based on their healthcare system, but Australia yeah. has one of the best healthcare systems in the world. Yeah. And they're so, also in America, the, the actual dietary consumption and just obesity rates are ridiculous as well. Mm. It's not as healthy. Australia isn't. Yeah. Yeah, I feel yeah. you, man. These are real stats. So I guess when it comes to sleep, we've got to look at all these contributing factors. Something that I know is at 21 years of age, I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue. And the doctor said, you'll never, ever have the energy of a normal person. You're just going to have to learn to live with it. And a little voice in my head went, fuck that. And that's why I got into personal training and I studied nutrition and did all the check stuff because I wanted to find out how do I keep it? How do I keep my energy up? Now I'm an intense dude, right? My intensity is pretty mental. Um, But I also do have an off switch. So my intensity is normally high. And then I just rest. And when I need rest, I need rest. And that could be a whole thing. You know you. You know yourself very well. Yeah, I used to feel guilty when I rested. Whereas these days, if I need rest, I rest. You know, like I know, um, I know last night I did a webinar until 11 o'clock last night and I was up at 5 a.m. That's mm-hmm. starting to burn the candle a little bit. Today, I feel a little bit foggy compared to what I normally do. I know that tonight's going to be an early night. I'm probably going to watch a movie with my wife and then I'm probably just going to not set the alarm tomorrow and I'll let my body tell me when I need to wake up. And that's that's going to be my day. So that's an important message because I think just, if, if that part of the message wasn't included in what you said over the last 10 minutes or five, 10 minutes, a lot of people, because this is, this used to be me. Do you know Dan Pena? Yeah. The billion dollar man or the $50 billion man. He's intense. I thought I was he, intense until I saw that guy. He's intense. I, I went to his seminar and his, his castle workshop and I essentially left feeling like I was doing nowhere near enough, but I was staying, I was working from about 7 a.m. till probably an average 10 p.m., but then often 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and literally left feeling like I was doing nothing. I think a lot of young people have a misconception of what's required to make it. I see it much more about the effect, like you still got to put in a solid amount of work. Your days need to be full throughout the week, but what you're choosing to do is going to determine where you're going. Like you could spend, in a day, you could hire two people, spend 20K on Facebook ads, and you could you could produce a three hundred thousand dollar return, or you could work like from seven a.m. till midnight every day and and just be brainstorming, thinking, manual reach outs, and not be getting many results in your business. Yeah. So I think of and you're very effective. So I think it's a really important factor that a lot of people don't think about. They just assume you got to hustle twenty four seven to get the results. I try to be like, I mean, I'm still, there's, there's still plenty of things that, you know, after a while I look back and I go, shit, I'm not being effective and I need to learn how to be better at that. Um, you know, only recently I've, I've been learning how to deal with a team because we're getting a bigger team now. Um, and a lot of the time when we don't get results, I just jump in and I go, you know, I'll do the marketing, I'll do the sales, I'll do this, I'll do that. And, and I'm trying to make up for the fact that people in the team aren't producing results. Whereas what I've had to find now is you have to really look, is this what they value or are they just doing a job? Because if they're just doing a job, they're not right for my company. And so I've got to let them go. And that's great for them because they need to then go and assess, am I really doing what I'm loving to do? Because I'm happy to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If I had the energy to work 24 hours, I would. Um, I would just travel around the world, teach, study, learn. And if I could just zap my brain with info, I would. Um, But I can't. There's, yeah. I need to, I'm navigating, trying to figure out like how much, how intense can I be versus where do I need to stop? Yeah. Even in training and exercise, like I used to just train, 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 body breaks down and falls apart. Then I would rehab, train, 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 break down, falls apart. Whereas now, like yesterday, I had a big day. I didn't train. Today, I'll probably do a light training session. 
Um, I'll probably just go for a big walk or something and it's navigating and I haven't got any less results. It's yeah. just that I feel way better about life. I'm not sitting there thinking, fuck, I haven't trained today. I'm weak. I'm going to go backwards. I'm not going to get the results I want. I'm not going to have my muscles. So yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned self-awareness before as well. And, and, and you've got a lot of self-awareness, you know, yourself very well, which is like Gary Vee talks. Gary Vee is just such a fucking legend, by the way. He talks about this left, right and center. He also talks about when it comes to a team, which I, cause I had 25 staff in, in the business that I was running at its peak and I battled with managing people. And, and the reason why very much so as well was that I was expecting so much of myself and I projected the same, the, not the same, actually half of what I expected from myself. I expected from the team and it was still too much. And so I would have, to, I would build a team over a period of like six months that would go, that would be producing $500,000, $900,000 in sales a month. And then they'd all burn out and quit. And then I'd do the same thing again and they'd burn out and quit. And I was like, man, and I would look back and be like, if they were even, if I was just expecting a little bit more of a holistic, like if I was creating more of a holistic, sustainable culture with them, they would have produced less, but they would, they would be so, their longevity would be so much longer and the team would be more healthy and, and keep producing. But my staff turnover sucked balls. Yeah, we had, we've had quite a big staff turnover um, also, but I think, um, my wife actually picked up on it and, and she was amazing. By the way, I want to get back to answering that question as well about um, the sleep and all yeah. the time together. Um, yeah. But um, my wife one day, she we were walking and we just had, um, I'd let go of our whole marketing team. So one day I just let go of the whole lot. Um, mm. And um, th- we had some other issues in the team as well where I needed to get rid of more people. And I essentially pretty much like fired three quarters of my, my team. Mm. Um and she just said to me, she said, why do you hire people the way you hire people? I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you'll just come home and say, oh, I met this person and, you know, they're going to start working for us or, or you know, they're keen to come on board. And you just hire people like that. Why do you do that? And I said, well, I, I don't know. I just, I guess I see something in them. And she said, boom, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. She said, you were the kid who was never given an opportunity. And I said, Yes. And she said, so you walk around and you see greatness in other people, which is what makes you great as a coach and what makes you amazing at what you do. Mm. She said, you're running a fucking business, Michael. In a business, people need to have a skill set and they also need to have the determination to want to work hard at that skill set in order to grow in that skill set. And if they're missing one of those two things, you've hired the wrong person. And she said, it's all great. All these people come to you and say, I want to work in marketing. I want to have an opportunity to do sales. I want to have an opportunity to help you out in the business. I want to have an opportunity to be a coach. And she said, when push comes to shove and when, you know, we need to get results, they just can't do it. And she said, because they just don't have that same determination. She said, Michael, you earned your right because you worked your fucking ass off and you never gave up. She said, that's not everybody. That you're a small percentage of the population that you figured out what you really want to do and you went for it and you just did not give up no matter how much you got beating the shit out of in life, you just kept going and you did not give up. She said, I watched you go for three or four days being depressed, lying on the bed, not wanting to do anything because you were just wondering what the fuck you did wrong in life. And then you'd get back up and have another crack at it and you just didn't give up. Mm. And I just, went, shit, that's that's exactly what I was doing, was I was giving people opportunities that didn't deserve those opportunities. And so now I don't hire staff. I have other people in the team who hire staff who are brutal. And they they you either you have the skill set and you have the value system to do that skill set and want to grow in it and be the best at it, or you don't. 
And if you don't, that's cool. You need to go off and figure that out. And you can come to our events and figure that out, or you can go and fumble through life like most people way figure it out. But have you, you read? Have yeah. Have you read the book Rocket Fuel by Gino Wickman? I haven't, but I'm going to now. Thank you. Mate, you will love this book. It talks about the relationship between a visionary and an integrator in business. And it was funny because have you heard of EO, Entrepreneurs Organization? Were yep. you in EO? Uh, what was the book, mate? Rocket Fuel? Rocket Fuel. For anyone that's listening, there's just so it's such a different game to grow a business versus scale a business. Like the growth, who you need to be as the CEO in terms of your energy and the way that you play it is just almost the opposite energy that's required to scale is is to grow like growing it's just like you go crazy ballistic revenue generation being messy unrealistic unreasonable hustle you have generalists in the business and then the bigger it scales you need to be grounded slow moving risk averse <laughs> it's just that whole different game it's so frustrating for an entrepreneur when you get to the point because it's just like it requires the opposite set of skills and it takes ages to like get enough feedback of just like punching and smashing a dead, beating a dead horse to then go, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why can I not figure this out? And this, what I find is you actually have to have an identity crisis. That's the biggest problem I think in business is you have identity crises. Mm. You you are like, you have to be one person, which is that intense, like go hard, work 24 seven. And then all of a sudden you've got to be like, shit, I've got a team full of people who aren't like me and I need five people to do what I could do myself in that one field. And then I've got another 10 people who need to do that same thing, which I could do myself. So it's. Yeah. And that's where that integrator becomes really helpful because you essentially have like good cop, bad cop relationship with them where you can play big picture, salesperson, face, talking, speaking, strategy, vision. And then you have someone else that plays details, numbers, hiring, management systems, processes, like this stuff, which is operations. The word operations makes me cringe. <laughs> Even though I know so much about it, I hate operations because that's just how you and I are wired. And most of the people that are listening will probably be similar to us with that personality type. Man. But but I wanted to honor your wife for a second because, man, I did not value, I didn't, because society doesn't teach us the power of emotional intelligence, doesn't teach us the power of intuition, perceptivity. And women, just naturally, because they've got more feminine energy, have this gift of perceptivity. My ex-partner in my uh, business at one point smelt, <laughs> not physically, literally, but just could just say, this guy, your second in charge, I don't trust him. And I was just like, what are you talking about? He's doing a great job, blah, blah, blah. Ended up costing the business close to a million dollars. He stole a huge amount of money from the business. And she just knew it. She didn't even have it. it didn't, and because I was just so logical and prioritized things on such a logical basis, I was like, what you're saying makes no sense. But she just sensed it. <laughs> so that's all she needs. She didn't even need to know anything about it. She's like, boom, something wrong with this guy. And I was like, oh, shit. like, you don't know what you're talking about. But your yeah. wife just coming in there. What a fucking beast. Uh, my wife is, um, I, I don't know how it happened but um you know i used to criticize her a lot because i felt like she wasn't i i was a visionary when i i would just go for shit and just work in to make it work and there was a quote from a billionaire which i love and i can't remember who it was but he said um i don't always make the right decision but i make every decision work and i just love that like no sorry i don't always make the right decision but i make every decision right 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and I love that because that's how yeah. I am. I'm like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to, I'll figure it out. Like the answer is yes. The answer is I'm going to do it and I'm going to make it work. And it might take yeah. you to make it work and it might be a lot of sleepless nights, but I'm going to make it work. So yeah. I was, I was that person. Now she was always the, yeah, but all this stuff's going to go wrong. And so I would end up in these massive arguments. Like, why do you always got to hold me back? You know, you don't get it. You don't understand me. I can see the future. You can't like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then we'd clash heads and would have these massive arguments. Um, she was part of the business as well. Yeah. And then eventually over time, I'm starting to go, shit, we actually counterbalance each other. So now Jess will come to me and say, hey, look, here's an opportunity. What do you think? And I'm a big overviewer. So I can see the overview of how all the bits work, but I just don't know the details. And so yeah. I'll go to her and, and we really set a boundary. Here's what you're good at. Therefore, you have final decision. Final say is yours in this area. Wow. For her, she's very operational. So she has final say. And she has normally final say in finances because she picks up everything. Yeah. And so then we work together. But we've got to know where our strengths and our weaknesses are. And yes, there's abrasiveness between that those borders. But normally, I just go to her because she will figure things out that I can't. So operationally yeah. now, I just go to her and go, here's what I want to do. How do we make it work? And she goes, leave it with me. I need a week. Let me think about it. I'll put it together and I'll come back to you with an answer. And I go, that's what I need. You're like, make it tomorrow morning and you got a deal. <laughs> that's yeah, how I was yesterday, like, hurry up. <laughs> what, are, what are you doing? Uh, Let's get out of here. Um, man, I really want to honor your vulnerability sharing all that stuff. This has been a really rich conversation. It's not over, but I just wanted to honor you for bringing that vulnerability forward. It's, it's good stuff. Um, I got, I, I'm not ashamed of that stuff. Like it's things that it's, over the years working with tens of thousands of people, I realized that, most people have pretty predictable patterns and they're all very similar. And so when I go to, a, like when I'm at doing, running my events, I'm talking through these stories and people come up to me and they go, sounded like you were talking to me. And I go, no shit, you and like three quarters of the room, because whether you want to admit it or not, <laughs> we all have pretty similar fucking patterns. It's not that hard no to figure shit. out. Um, and, but so many people feel like, oh, I'm the only person who's ever gone through it. You know, I there's a lot of really challenging cases that come to our events that are trying to figure stuff out. And when they come up to me, they go, oh, you probably don't know this about me. And they go, oh, here's what's happened in my past. And I'm, you know, this stuff's bad. And it's not bad. It's just, it's something that happened. You're, you're very yeah. similar. And when you go look at statistics, you go, do you know, there's this amount of people in the population that have had exactly the same thing happen in slightly different ways, but you, there's a, there's a massive, huge group of people. Don't yeah. worry about it. Just keep fucking going. Yeah. You know, people try like vulnerability. Like yeah. Yeah, I get people come up and they're like, I'm struggling financially. I'm like, you and everyone else. So just yeah. fucking don't worry about it. Money is yeah. value exchange. So figure out how to add more value and you solve your money problems. Just keep going. Like, don't don't think that Hold you're Hold on to the shame. Crazy. Yeah. Because, yeah. man, you, you're a great example of someone that backs themselves. I admire that massively in you. You're really in your own corner. And so much of the population, and this is like, this is my journey has been learning to be in my own corner because I've been sensitive, worried about what other people think and then holding guilt or shame. It's like, man, now I'm just like, no, fuck it. I'm an awesome person. I'm doing the best I can. And that's been the same karmic journey for me to then instill that in others. And I just want the listeners to understand that like, you got to have your own back. Like you got to just frame things to your advantage because why the fuck not? It's like no one else is going to do it for you. You've got to be kind to yourself. Give yourself a break. If you're like, I want to fucking sleep in today, just be like, fucking, I'm sleeping in today. Damn straight, I take care of myself and I rest. If you want to get up early, be like, fuck yeah, I get up early and I hustle. And then the next day you sleep in. Yeah, damn straight, I look after myself and I, I rest. But just framing it all to your advantage because you deserve it. 
Because why the fuck wouldn't you? And that's what everyone that's successful does, Whether no matter what the strategies behind it are, they're in their own corner. And that's one thing that you rock and roll with, Mike. Thank you. I, I also think for like the listeners, the, the things that have really helped me is understanding that I'm just a person. And I don't need to be anything more than that or anything less than that. Mm. And that helped me a lot. Like I get people come up to me sometimes, they go, you're a real asshole towards people. And I go, thank you. I'm glad you notice. <laughs> That's so good. I love I was that. Like, yeah, I am an asshole. I can be an asshole to anyone. You treat me like shit. I'm probably going to be an asshole. It's that simple. But also, yeah. you, you know, you you approach me in the right way and I'm probably going to be an approachable person. You know, I've, I've, I, I love Bottom that. line is you're accepting the whole part of you. Like, so yeah, like I think too many people try to hide that stuff. Like they go, oh, you, you know, um, you shouldn't act like this. You know, you shouldn't swear so much. And I go, okay, cool. Fair enough. That's like, whatever. But whatever people judge in someone else, they don't give themselves permission to do. So when someone's like, oh, don't swear, it's because they don't, there's a part of them that does kind of like, they'll, like you said, there'll be evidence of ways that they do it in their life already. And they're just ignoring it or shaming themselves for it or scared to admit it. And they're not giving themselves permission to express that part of themselves that's just human that wants to come out as well. Maybe you do want to be an arsehole. And anyone that's like, you're a real arsehole, they're just going around being so nice and they're, they're building internal resentment. Whatever's been suppressed will be expressed unhealthily. So they're probably passive aggressive in their relationship. I was like, I'm such a nice person. I'm, why do you yell at me? And I'd say that to my my wife, why are you always so aggressive? And it's like, but then I would withhold love by being passive aggressive because I didn't give myself permission to be like, just shut up or blah, 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 or let it all out. So it's always going to come out. And and yeah, I really, really dig that point, dude. Yeah, myself and my wife work really, really well because if we got something to say, we say it. And that sometimes comes out in arguments and you know volatile arguments and we get it off our chest and 20 minutes later, we're done. That's it. And then we just get back to it. And Jess always says, Jess says that to me a lot. She's like, you know, we'll be on the couch after an argument and she'll just sit there and she goes, do you know what I love is that we can just say stuff that we need to get out and it might not come out. It might not be communicated in the most effective way, yeah. but it's just that we had to communicate something in that moment. And that was the best way that we could communicate it. Yeah. And now that it's out, it's out, it's done. Yeah. And then we just get back on with it. Whereas I find so many people like they hold on to that shit. I've watched, you know, couples, that are like that passive aggressive or hold resentment or withdraw sex or withdraw intimacy or, you know, yeah. bad mouth their partner consistently behind their back because it's that they're just, they don't know how to communicate it. And so they're scared. They're to be, yeah, they're trying to be nice all the time. I'll just prefer to have a wicked argument and 20 minutes later, we're fine cuddling and you know, it's done. Well, man, I and, couldn't do that. I literally couldn't do that a couple of years ago because I was so scared of the confrontation and it triggered me so much from my childhood with having like aggressive with an aggressive dad. And so I think giving myself great, again, it's that framing things to your advantage. I couldn't do it at that. I just, I literally, I'd go in a freeze and I'd just be like a little boy sitting there if my partner got aggressive at me. And then I'd just be like, stop being so mean to me. I couldn't handle an argument like that. And now that I've understood it and worked through it and let out out that suppressed rage and done the healing on it, I've just got a little bit more range. I can deal with arguments better than I could. It can still trigger me if I'm in an extra tired state or something. But it's, it's also just understanding, having that empathy and compassion for yourself and being like, what like what do you need? And that's where boundaries come in. Hmm. It's like some, you can set a boundary and say, don't raise your voice and take yourself out of the room if you need it. But working to the point where you give yourself and other people in the world permission for full authentic expression is like the most liberating and free goalpost to move towards. Yep. I, I 100% agree with that. And um, 
I heard something a while ago, and I don't know who said it, but they said the only way you know where boundaries are is when you cross them. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And and I love that because I don't I don't know where my boundaries are. Like I know that they're there, and I'm be- way better than what I used to be. But I don't know exactly where they are. I just know that they're there somewhere. And it's not until someone triggers me where I go, shit, there's a trigger and there's something I need to work on. <laughs> but we've got this society of people who pretend that they don't have fucking triggers, who get triggered, and then they try to cover up the trigger instead of just working on the trigger. And I always say this in my events, like you've got a choice. If the dog shits on the carpet, you go and pick up the shit and you clean it up. Or you put a serviette over it and pretend that the dog shit's not there, but it still fucking yeah. stinks. Man, now, most, be awful. You know, most people in their whole life, they're just putting serviettes over dog shit and pretending it's not there, yet their whole life stinks. <laughs> oh, man, that's so it's, true. It's crazy. Like, I'd prefer it. Like, that's why I get told all the time, you know, you're lucky because you're like this and you're like that. I'm like, I'm, my life is just like everybody else's. I have triggers. I fly off the handle sometimes. I get stressed. I get anxious. I worry about what other people think. I get frustrated. I get annoyed. The difference is how fast I pick up on that and how fast I change it. Yeah. Everyone pulls off the push. And you don't mind. judge yourself, yeah. though. And you don't judge yourself for it. You give yourself permission to be human. I think that's the biggest thing that people don't. Because someone that's like, if they swore at someone else, like I've got one of my friend's dads, we did this activity, get to know each other game at their house. And it was like, what's something that you feel guilt around? And he, this, this is one of the most beautiful people I know, by the way. But he, he held shame around stealing a 50 cent lolly from a, um, uh, a milk bar when he was seven years old. And this is like a really grown successful businessman. And he, he, st- he like literally almost started to well up and get real. He's like, this is going to sound crazy, but I've stolen before. And I was like, dude, I fucking used to break into cars. I've done all sorts of crazy shit. And guess what? I was a human doing the best I can. And yeah, I, I, there's a difference between accountability and forgiveness. Yeah. It's like you do something really bad, you're going to have to be accountable to it. But also don't hold guilt around it to the point that it's just paralyzing you and then causing more problems in the world because you're all fucked up over it. I've had I've had people come to me and they say stuff like that. Like, let's say a partner steals money or whatever, and they go, I would never fucking steal. And I go, okay. And then they, they go on this half an hour rant about their partner and all that. And they go, I would never steal anything from anyone. I go, what do you mean by stealing? They go, I would never take something that's valuable. And I said, motherfucker, you just took half an hour of my time telling me about... <laughs> about how fucked up your partner is. You just, so that's stealing half an hour of my time. It's my most valuable asset. What do you mean you don't steal? Like, let's, be, that, let's be serious here. You know, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. There's so just so many mind. people in society who try to make, make it seem like they walk across water and the sun shines out of their ass instead yeah. of realizing like we're all people. I'm just as fucking stupid as everybody else. I'm just as unrealistic. <laughs> I'm just, I get stressed, frustrated. And when I know that it's life becomes fun. Cause I'm like, you know, people come up to me and they go, oh, well, you acted this way. And I go, I'm, I apologize if that's the way that I acted. And I'm sorry that you took offense to that. But I'm a fucking person. And you're a person. You do it. I do it. I can do it. Even, myself, I've, st- but that's I've the stopped, best I can do. Yeah, I've stopped apologizing for the things that I've done. I just apologize for the fact that it's hurt someone. Like if I raised my voice at someone, I wouldn't say I'm so sorry for raising my voice. Because if that was my authentic truth in the moment and it was coming from the best that I could do, I'm not sorry. Like I couldn't do anything better than that. Like, but I'll, I'll say I'm really sorry that me doing that hurt your feelings because I didn't want that. But I also want to be able to express myself authentically, doing the best that I can. Yep. So I've really started to just say sorry less. Uh, like, st- stop apologizing for the space I'm taking up in the world. 
And for the other pleasers out here on the on the podcast, let's rise up together and be authentic in this world. Well, I have a question for the pleasers first, of, um, if you don't mind. Um, at my events, I ask people who are the kind people out there who love looking after people and would consider themselves a kind person. And the majority of the room put their hand up. And I go, all right, here's the truth. You hate yourself and you get angry at yourself a lot, don't you? And you keep it, you internalize it. And then I watch them and they go, part of being kind means that you have people who consistently cross your boundaries and you never speak up about it because you're more worried about the way that they feel and the way that they perceive you, which is being unkind to yourself. So if you're talking about if you're kind, is being kinder to yourself more important than being kinder to others or is being kinder to others more important than yourself? Or is it important to have both of those things in balance? I don't know, but there's been plenty of times where I've done shit. I think the balance, balance. Ha- I think the balance happens automatically when you're being kind to yourself. Well, I, I think that you can be kind, but others will consider you not kind because sometimes I do the things that are right for me. Like I miss family functions and stuff like that in order to do what I love to do. And then they judge me as being unkind because I'm not there for the family. So when I'm saying the balance is like, if you, if you were not being kind and did, and you uh, didn't show up, then you've got a clear conscious because you're authentic to yourself. But if you showed up and you didn't want to, then there would have been unkind behavior coming out because there would have been resentment because you went against what was in, in integrity with you. So there might've been some resentment or you weren't as talkative or you got a little bit abrupt at someone. So I kind of feel like when you're honoring yourself, you're a more, you've got a more clear conscience and you've got more integrity with yourself. So you're generally more full and you're less reactive or is, does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I guess the the point of that question is it really depends on whose perspective that you're going from. Yeah. You might exactly yourself kind. Like a parent tells off their child and they say, I'm doing the right thing by my child. But if you ask the child, is that your mum being kind to you or your dad being kind to you? They'll say no. So whose yeah. perspective are we looking at here? Because perspective is important. Yeah. The point that I'm trying to make though in that statement is that like you you have to eat throughout life you're going to have times where you're kind to yourself and unkind to others from their perspective yeah then there are other times where you others you're kind to others but at the expense of yourself which is being unkind to yourself so it's almost impossible to be kind at without being unkind at the same time and then we just have to navigate that about how unkind do we be either to ourselves or others in order to do things yeah all right spanner in the works mm-hmm. i feel like the the more aligned you make your life then the more that you being kind to yourself will also create kindness, perceived kindness to others. Because if you're rocking up and having a conversation to yourself and you're speaking your truth and you have friends that are aligned because they also value speaking their truth, then you speaking your truth will also be what they would consider to be kind because there's more alignment. Whereas if you haven't created an aligned life and you're hanging out with people that are dissimilar to you, you speaking your own honest authenticity could be diskind to them because it's different that they don't hold the same values and they perceive you being yourself as not being kind. Does that make sense as well? I agree. I agree with exactly what you're saying. Um, it, it all It's all about perspective though. And I agree with that. The more aligned you are, but at the same time, the more aligned you are, the more you're going to achieve, the more you achieve, the more you're going to stand out. The more you stand out, the more you're going to be criticized. And judged. <laughs> yeah. So therefore there's going to be other people who consider you unkind. Like I get judged all the time. You know, you make, yeah. you make money. You don't care about people. And I go, First of all, money is value exchange. If I don't value myself, then I'm not going to ask for money. So first of all, in order to value what I do and value who I am as a yeah. person, I need to make money. Now, that money is just an exchange of value. I spend that money yeah. on study and research and inspiring people. That's where I spend the majority of my money. I can't have the knowledge that I have without that. So therefore, it's 
use money as an expanding process in your life or a contracting process? Yeah. How do you want to live? So it, it's all about- I just love how deep we're going with this stuff. <laughs> this is such a good conversation, don't you reckon? 100%. Boom, 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 boom. It's, but the bottom line is just fucking give yourself permission to be your authentic self. Be a human. Know that you're going to just cop an onslaught of humanity in your face, left, right, and center. And if you can be kind to yourself throughout it, it's going to be it's going to be helpful. Yeah, and uh, like we even with kindness, things that aren't sometimes things that aren't kind in the moment help over time. And I have a bit of a philosophy. I say whether people like it or not, the conversations that I have with people are normally conversations where they're going to be thinking about what I say in some way, shape, or form. Now they can do that by learning in a way and taking on board and reflecting on it and learning and growing, or I can trigger the shit out of them, which I definitely do. There are people on social media sometimes where if they're doing things, I'll throw questions where I go, that person's going to be thinking about me for many years to come. Yeah. It's fine. Now there are things that I did as a child that I still look back on and reflect and I go, what's there to learn from that? Because I was triggered by those things and it comes up in sprouts throughout our life in order for us to grow. So the things that we might think are, uh, like, I'll give you an example. I got kicked out of Latin class and my Latin teacher stood over the top of me as a child and said, with your attitude, you'd never get anywhere in life. And I went, that motherfucker, what a piece of shit. For years, this guy was like, you mentioned his name. And I was like, this guy is the biggest fucking asshole I've ever met in my life. And yeah. to the point of like, you know, if he wasn't here, life would be better. Now, when I look back, I go, that guy in that moment, gave me my drive, my motivation, my determination to prove him wrong. If it wasn't for that guy. Now, if I said to you, the person that gave you your drive, your motivation, your determination, and gave you everything that made you the person that you are and gave you the success, what would you call that person? Resistance? Well, if they gave you everything that's important to you in your life. (laughs) Well, are we talking about like the growth? Because everything that I want in life comes from growth and growth comes from resistance. So if I look at my yeah. parents, for example, I had a shitty, like a objectively shitty up, uh, subject, no, objectively shitty upbringing, but it's created my life today. Yep. So those, those people then we can call heroes in our own life. Yeah. yeah. That's a, so that I'm moment happy, with, of happy with that. Lead. You know, that, that moment that I perceived was unkind actually became one of the kindest things that someone could give me in my life. Yeah. I feel what you're saying. So now how do we judge kind how do we judge kind and unkind again? Yeah, it's just about you being in a position where you just say, fuck it, I'm just gonna allow things in the universe to work for me and perceive everything working for me, no matter what it looks like. I well, say. I believe I believe that things are here to teach us what we need to learn in order to grow and evolve. And yeah. I've got some pretty, you know, if I look at a great uh, philosophical texts, they say something similar. Great science is showing the same thing. The only thing that seems to evolve is information. DNA passes on information, it evolves. Um, the universe looks like it's, um, well, the science shows now, especially in cosmology and stuff, the information doesn't get lost. It just it, it just evolves. Um, so that's pretty, pretty cool. And it, and there's, in, you know, entanglement and stuff like that that seems to happen faster than the speed of light. And I won't get into physics and so on, but... Um, we have to do another chat where we do, though, because okay. I want to explore your perspective on this stuff because I know you've got a lot of genius and wisdom and have spent a lot of time researching and studying this stuff. Man, so, dude, there's a few things I want to do to wrap up what's been a sick conversation. I've got one more question left, but there's two things I want to do before I ask that question. Well, before we wrap up, I'm going to go back to the, the sleep thing. I haven't right, wrap yet. up the sleep thing. 
someone someone's gonna mess up and be like, you, you didn't finish the story, and I'm gonna have to write this paragraph. Uh, about, you can just you know, be like, what, find the kindness in this. <laughs> um, so when I had chronic fatigue at 21, I changed my diet, and that gave me a big impact. Okay, I stopped eating shit like KFC and drinking all the time, and and um, you know I removed a lot of sugar and stuff like that, and that helped to an extent. But what I found was I was still quite, I was still going through these stages of burnout. Um, I still kept getting into these stages where I'd feel tired for weeks. And it wasn't until I started coming across um, things where I could start to work on my mental state and I noticed my energy improved. So I used to do things like meditate. I don't, I don't really use that anymore as a tool. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, that it's a, it's an okay tool, but it's not a great tool for the 21st century. Um, I think it's a fucking magnificent tool, just saying from my perspective, but go on. Really? Oh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, come, and, come and do one of our events one day and I'll show you the process that I created to, to balance out a brain, to balance out your brain. And you won't need to meditate for weeks. Like you'll have just a calm brain without needing to meditate. Um, yeah. But what it will happen- be an honor and a privilege of the highest order to attend one of your events. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so, and, and I built that tool because meditation was frustrating me because I felt like I had to do it all the time and I had, and it was something that I went back to. It's, mm. To me, it was almost like, um, using, um, energy drinks to jack yourself up when you're feeling tired, instead of realizing that sleep is probably the most effective thing. I think there's yeah. more effective things out there now that, that can be used, but meditate. Look, if the world meditated, I think it would be a, a way different place. Yeah. Okay, and things would be a lot more chill. But there's, there, yeah. I think that for the 21st century, especially for people who are pushing the limits and want to grow a lot, I think there's just some better tools out there. Yeah, that's um, cool. We can agree to disagree on that, but I'm sure we'll go into the conversations in our next interview. Yeah. I, and it's not, I, I don't, I think that it is a good tool. It's just the time that it takes in order to develop the skill set to be able to meditate effectively and the time you're putting in, you'll just save better time with other tools. Yeah. Um, so that's how I found it to be. Um, you know, if I'm going to meditate for an hour a day, that's seven hours a week. I'd rather use one tool where I can spend an hour using that tool and not need it for the rest of the week or even two weeks. Yeah, um, I feel what you're saying. Yeah. So that's it, it, I still think it's a great tool. And I, I still use it, especially on planes and stuff. If I'm trying to sleep, I just meditate and good night. Yeah. We'll get um, into, we'll, we'll, we'll have a full-on debate on this next time we chat. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, we don't have to debate. It's just, you know, I'll, I'll just um, maybe just show some different perspectives as well about how the brain works that then will maybe help a little bit. Because... It, yeah. it, it is a, it is a great tool. It's just I think that there are better tools out there, and it's sort of you know you can drive a fast car, but then there's supercars, and then there's hypercars. There's yeah. just different levels, and yeah. and I think you know for the 21st century when things are moving so fast, there's just different levels. I hear what um, you're saying. We can talk about that another time. Yeah. So with the um, I, I started uh, meditating, and I was doing a lot of Chinese acupuncture, and I still use acupuncture quite a lot. Um, you know, even when I travel, I still take acupuncture needles and things like that. Um, so to use them. Um, and, and so I was just, I, I found that that helped quite a lot and my energy started coming up. And then I started realizing there was a link between the way that I was thinking and how I was feeling. Mm. So I went back and I started doing a lot of research in uh, neuroscience, uh, psychology, um, uh, biology, neurobiology, and just starting to look at how does, how is it that our emotions tie into our energy levels? And when we have thoughts or when we create a perception, and I won't go into too much of the neuroscience, but I'll just give you a really quick example. Mm. Our eyes don't see anything. So when people say, I saw this person, I go, well, what did you really see? Because scientifically, the eyes only take in electromagnetic radiation. So our eyes pick up a very small portion of the electromagnetic spectrum, 
which is, I guess you could say, vibrations and oscillations of energy if we want to simplify it. Okay. Our eyes pick up that energy and we've got rods and cones there that, that those electromagnetic waves go into your eyes. After that, it goes through the optic nerve into the thalamus or uh, sorry, into the um, uh, visual cortex. Um, but there's a gating mechanism in the thalamus that gates our values and it gates other key important things within our own life to tell us whether we're on track or off track or whether things are beneficial or um, you know a disadvantage within our own lives. So our brain then has to interpret those electromagnetic frequencies and turn it into something that's meaningful. So the, the meanings, the beliefs, and the stories that we create normally have some sort of a meaning and a relationship to what's important to us or what we're trying to move away from within our own lives. And that's how we navigate life. But really nothing exists because it's the, the electromagnetic frequency, but we still believe and interpret that things are real. And it does that because under stress, things in the external world become more real than the internal world. When we're less stressed, we've got more internal insight and vision and stuff like that. Mm. So um, what I started seeing consistently was that when our brain has to generate um, and change the chemical structure outside of hom um, homeostasis, and when we've got to change things like neuropeptides, neurochemistry, hormonal states, in order to create action potentials, it makes us more tired. So the more emotional we are and the more we have volatilities, either of excitement and elations or feeling down and feeling depressed, feeling anxious, feeling stressed, the more that we do that and the higher the oscillation of our emotional frequencies, the more tired we're going to be. And that's why a lot of people in society need shit like Red Bull and stuff because they get all excited. Yeah, I'm ready to take on the fucking day. But at nighttime, they're like, eh, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Or I'll keep using Red Bull and then they crash for three or four days. Okay. And so what I... Yeah. What I found was the faster I could balance out my brain and the more calm I could stay throughout the day and the more balanced I could be, the more energy output that I had. Mm. And now, like, this is the intensity that someone with chronic fatigue, I've still got Epstein-Barr virus, so I can be tested on this. I still have the chronic fatigue syndrome. I, I will outwork most people on this planet. Yeah. And I have no problems with that. And I still sleep. I can sleep for six hours, seven hours a night for weeks and not have a problem. But then there are other times where I need to catch up a little bit on sleep. But it yeah. all depends on how stressed I am and how emotional volatile I am. Yeah, I love that, man. And that's so, why doing the doing the work on yourself is just like so fucking powerful because then you're not walking around in a highly charged state. Your sympathetic fight or flight nervous system just firing left, right, and center because you see the world as a threat. This is beautiful stuff. Now you listen here, Bucker. I am not done with you yet. Do not move a single muscle because I've got something exhilarating and exciting to share with you, which is my heart's absolute deep dive calling of how I give purpose and impact and service to the world. And that's through my 12-month program, or dare I say it, container called Heart Warriors. It's $300 US a month, and it's about how you live your life with absolute fulfillment straight from the heart. I teach within there a modality I created called the core method, which essentially integrates the different layers of personal development, which is the practical, making stuff happen layer, the deep emotional, linguistic, NLP, breakthroughs, healing, different modalities, and the spiritual layer. And those three things for me have put me all over the place before I learned to integrate them. And I help people heal that and integrate so that they can be the most powerful, loving, centered, and fulfilled version of themselves. So if that feels expansive, you can find out about that and whatever else I have on offer at the moment in my link tree on Instagram. And please feel free to shoot me a message 
My handle is the Ryan Magic. I love hearing from you guys. I'm sending you so much love. Thanks for being a listener of the podcast and have the most amazing day of your entire life. Bye.